This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This episode is brought to you by Dove. You use all the right skincare products for your face, but your body has been missing out. With new Dove Serum Body Wash, you can give your body the vitamin C glow it's been wanting, the hydration boost it's been craving, and the active skincare ingredients it deserves. It's time for your body care era. New Dove Serum Body Wash. Get Dove or get FOMO. This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly roundup of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. And this is episode 136. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host. Later on in the podcast, digital editor Alex chats to Mandy Yin, owner of Sambal Shiok Laksa Bar in Highbury and Islington. She finds out all about Malaysian laksa, the different varieties, where to get it, and insider tips on how to create the perfect laksa paste and broth. But first, she catches up with editor Laura to share stories from a recent trip to Skona in Sweden. With picturesque micro-bakeries, seaside vineyards, and passionate producers at work in the countryside, there are loads of reasons to visit the southern region known as Sweden's Pantry. Hello, this is Laura, the editor of Olive Magazine, and I'm here with Alex, our digital editor. Hello. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> um, so, Alex, now you've written a large guide for olivemagazine.com. You've written it in partnership with Visit Scania, and it's on this southern region of Sweden, right? So yes. how do you pronounce that? I know I'm saying it wrong. So it's uh, it's spelled S-K-A-N-E, but it's actually pronounced Skåne. So I actually say it's like Skåne, <laughs> but with a little accent on the E. Yeah. Skåne. Uh, people say it differently, and yeah. Okay, oh, I'm going to lead by your example. Um, now, so I've never heard of it before, although when I think about it, when we drill down on the regions, I have because I'm a fan of Scandinavia, so things like the bridge and Wallander. Um, so if, if you've watched anything like that, you'll know the region, even if you don't think you do. Um, but it definitely sounds like someone we should be putting on our travel wish list this year, right? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So it's actually really, really easy to get to, even though, as you say, a few people haven't, like most people haven't heard of it. Because um, although it's in Sweden it's actually only 20 minutes drive from Copenhagen airport so if you go into Copenhagen um it's actually equidistant to the 
Copenhagen centre and to Malmo, which is the largest city in Skåne. Um, and that's over the Orison Bridge, which is the uh, bridge, bridge that the, the uh, what's it called? The bridge. The bridge. The bridge yeah. is filmed brilliant. on. Everybody should watch it. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just a, like, that's a really great place to jump off and discover the rest of the region because it's really gritty and um, it's actually also the whole region is known as southern, uh, Sweden's Southern Larder okay. um, because it's such a productive agricultural area and it's really great for foodies because there are so many little hidden, we don't like to use the word hidden gems, but it really is the case here because there's lots of producers working away in the countryside and the forest. And that's why your guide is so useful because you're yes. sharing all of these <laughs> hidden gems. Um, okay, so what sort of things did you find? Um, so... The the great thing about Skåne is that it's so diverse and it has a really, really long um, scenic rugged coastline and it actually has like beaches. So I was there in September and we were actually in swimming costumes on the beach on on in September. So it's so amazing. You're getting a lot for your, your bucks there, yeah, aren't you? you? Lots really, of different really types are. of holiday. It's, it's incredible. And then you can go to these little fish restaurants. One of my favourites called Hortebrugge. And that is it's so, so quintessential. And you can go to the beach and then go thereafter. And then inland there are forests and farmland uh, dotted with vineyards. Would you believe it? You just thank <laughs> <laughs> And brilliant like farm to fork restaurants. And it also has, of course, its fair share of little Swedish towns, which are so beautiful with pretty red painted buildings. And there's actually a vineyard in one of these buildings and also um, lots of artisan bakeries. A vineyard well. in a building? Sorry, no. yeah. So <laughs> they, they, the, the main building of the vineyard, Halakra Vingard, is in a main building. I see. Obviously. Sorry. I, see. <laughs> I was like, that would be that revolutionary. Would be <laughs> no, it sounds great. Um, and so, what about cinnamon buns? Because I know you're a big fan of a cinnamon bun. I am. Yes. Connoisseur, some might say. <laughs> yes, I do uh, like to Instagram the odd cinnamon bun. Um, but you definitely, there's so many places for them, obviously, and you're in Sweden, you're in territory of the cinnamon bun. But the, what I loved about Skåne is there are lots of bakeries doing things with ancient Swedish grains and like okay. really different cinnamon buns. Um, kind so, of next level cinnamon buns. Yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, they're really, it's almost like the artisan, you know, the sourdough mm. and people are, as you say, taking it to the next level in San Francisco and in London and everywhere. And they're doing similar things in this southern region. And uh, the I th- it's really hard to say the best one. One of the best is from Soderberg and Sarah, and it's a bakery from a Swedish trio, and they're really young, Per, Tild and Pa, and they've got loads of foodie places in, in the region, so you should check them out. Okay. Um, they have a shop and cafe in the town of Ustad and one in Malmo itself. And they use a combination of spelt and sourdough topped with like sweet cinnamon and the fragrant cardamom, of course. Mm, so cardamom's it, my favourite. Yeah, mine mm. as well. <laughs> and then another favourite was, um, it's so picturesque and idyllic, this place called Bivagen Biva, 35. Okay. And that's in Ostalen, um, which is a really um, cute little town in the east of Skåne and um, Matty the owner's buns have an extra sour edge from the he has a 48 hour fermentation Ooh. process so they're really extra sour and that 
it's in a good way, obviously. <laughs> and then they've got all of their fragrant cardamom and cinnamon in there as well. So. That's great. Now, you tracked down some other producers as well that are making really interesting, slightly unexpected foods, didn't you? Yeah. So um, that tree I was talking about that, uh, that are behind Soderberg and Sarah, they, they do lots with flour and they, they have a pizza place in Malmo. And also they we came across their little pasta factory in the middle of the countryside in an old tractor repair factory. As you do. So, so random, but so lovely because it was just in the middle of this little town and uh, it's tiny little factory <laughs> and they have um they use that ancient swedish grains again to make these this amazing fresh pasta and um this area on Skåne's southeastern corner is a real hotspot for producers um Osterlen. we met um, a lady called Ulrika at Osterlen chocolate and she's super geeky about chocolate and uses all local produce produce to create some really like smooth Praline. So, for example, there's Kivik's iconic apples. So that's really famous for their apples. And then Aronia berries picked every October after the first frost, and then um, she freezes them and then <clears throat> makes them into pralines. What a great way to try local produce in chocolate! I know, sounds, it's amazing. amazing. <laughs> and they really, really taste. You can really taste the produce. Great. It's not like, oh, this is Token. a bit of a syrup. But yeah. she uses the ingredients and she makes the purees herself. And then obviously the citrusy sea buckthorn that's um, that's everywhere in Sweden. So you can try and forage your own if if you know what you're doing, of course. <laughs> yes. Uh, now, drinks too, I hear. Yes. You had lots of lovely drinks. Yeah. So, um, as I mentioned before, Skåne has its own wine route, which is um, quite unexpected. And it links over 20 wineries, wow. which, is, um, which is pretty impressive, yeah. I think. My favourite was this idyllic little, as I was saying before, um, a little vineyard called Halakra. And the production is in an old red barn with an on-site orchard and gardens. And then you've got your contrasting, uh, very modern, contemporary Nordic Sea winery, and that's on the East Coast. But also, um, as in the whole of Sweden, there's a really, really great um, craft beer industry and everybody is is brewing their own things. Like even the hotels we're staying at, these little hotels, everybody wanted to get a piece of that. So um, you had some really interesting names and, yes. and types of beers from yeah. the guys. So um, in Landskrona, that's in the far west, that they have loads of breweries actually in this small town. And uh, my favourite was Brekariet, and that brews really unique sours and wild ale. So you have Lucifer, which is <laughs> fermented with passion fruit and saffron and um, wild and juicy. <laughs> that has um, notes of lemon peel and pineapple and bread as well. As, again, as you do. So they all sound <laughs> great, really interesting. Um, so if you're heading off for like a romantic weekend, mm -hmm. you had done your wine, you'd done your beer, where would you recommend for a really lovely dinner? Something a bit fancy. Okay, so... There's a lot. Um, I'm just... Daniel Berlin is... Um, quite iconic in the region okay so i hadn't heard of it before but um all of my swedish friends and family said that you're in for a treat being able <laughs> to go there and um, i actually didn't end up going there which was a shame i ate daniel blin's food somewhere else but um i've heard it's absolutely 
beautiful and it's the place to go. What style of food is it? So he focuses on um, local produce and really seasonal produce and actually a lot of it's vegetable based and he has his own um, he has his own allotment and it's again it's in this tiny little town in the middle of nowhere and there's this amazing restaurant it's only got 15 seats so you really special book, when you're there you though. really have to book far in advance um and then back in malmo the place to be when we went was called Vastergarten on um the street Vastergarten and that was a really intimate dining room and that had again seasonal dishes and they focus on fish a bit okay. more but they also have like mixed uh, meat tartar with smoked paprika and amazing pickled shiitake mushrooms and they they adorn their with their dishes with all these amazing um pickles and produce um but my favorite I think is Liren in okay. Malmo and that's a really small neighbourhood restaurant that uses Scanian produce, um, such as beech roses, and you've got that really smoky birch sap, and even Swedish cantaloupe. Who knew? So, yeah. Um, and the owner creates dishes that he describes really evocatively as fire or embracing us with the forest of Sweden. He's brilliant. He's really, really great. So, so if you want to try all of the food of that region and the cooking techniques, but in a fine dining style, they're the places to go to. Yes. But if you're after like more field to fork, rustic, down to earth type cooking, where should we be going? So my favourite, um, there are a few and there's actually a guide on olivemagazine.com like that actually there's five the five best field fork restaurants but my favorite was uh Hortebrugge, which i mentioned before and that's this really cute little seaside spot where the chefs create dishes from whatever the farmers drop off that day wow. and they have these um they have a smokehouse adjoining and the chefs work their way through the cuts in the lunchtime basket so you kind of it's kind of potluck what you're going to get you could get the leg you could get a pork belly you know you can get whatever whatever they give you really um but they serve it with local salad leaves and bread from Soderberg and Sarah and plenty of pickles that are all sitting in the jars along the shelves and it's so cozy and there's vinyl as well and with knobbly candlesticks and it's just a gorgeous place you feel like you're in someone's farm kitchen or something making me want a bit <laughs> a trip to Scone 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 okay <laughs> sold okay so if you want to find out where to eat and drink in Scone um, you can head to olivemagazine.com and Alex has done some really comprehensive guides really drilling down on different details from field to fork restaurants to producers all in partnership with Visit Scone and it's uh, you can also visit their website which is visit scogna.com. Lovely. Thank you so much, Alex. Thank you. Hi, it's Alex and I'm here with Mandy Yin. Hello, Mandy. Hello, Alex. So Mandy and I have met plenty of times over the years on her laxa journey. Um, and it was first on a market stall in Soho selling her chicken satay burgers and sambal um, sauce. And also you had some rendang burgers, didn't you? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Mandy launched a laxa pop-up in Soho, which proved to be so popular that she now has a fully-fledged laxa bar in Islington, in Highbury and Islington, don't yes. you? Near Holloway. On Holloway Road? Holloway Road, yeah. yeah. Um, and that opened up last year serving the most amazing laksa. I can vouch for it myself, so I recommend you all go and try it. Um, so, Mandy, at the laksa bar, there are how many laksas are there to choose from? Like so, we have our traditional signature um, 
laksa, which is a, actually a mix between a curry laksa and an Assam laksa. Okay. So that's our traditional broth. Uh, we also have a vegan version of the broth, which is shrimp-free. So okay. two, two main broths, and then you have about five different combinations of toppings. So wow. prawn, uh, the special, which is prawn and chicken, just chicken, the vegan special. Uh, yeah, so lots Gosh, of variety. Lots to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> so the most classic laksa that yes. you serve. Yes. Um, how do you start when you're preparing this? Like, what's the first thing you do? So the most important element to any laksa is the spice paste. Yes. Uh, so, and that takes up um, the most time and the most ingredients. So our spice paste has around 15 different ingredients. 15? 15, yeah. Wow, and okay. so you just, uh, the main ones um, are so onions, garlic, uh, ginger, then um, three different types of chili. Oh, gosh, um, okay. We've got uh, the fresh red long chilies. Um, that's just for the freshness. Then you've got dry chilies for the heat. And uh, what type of dry chilies? So they're the whole, uh, so, yeah, the long, the whole long dried okay. chilies, um, generally from China. Um, and so a lot of laksa recipes will tell you to de-seed those. I don't, because oh, <laughs> I like my food spicy. spicy. Yeah. Actually, isn't the... Um, because I think a lot of people think that the myth is that the spiciness comes from the seeds, but isn't it the pith yeah, between uh, the seeds? Yeah, exactly. But you know, so, by deseeding it, you gen you tend to you know, use a knife to scrape off the pith as well. Of course. Um, but so, no, we we don't deseed anything. So if we wanted to create a laksa, but for people like me who aren't very good with spice, would you suggest that? at the be very beginning, we just take that out of the pace. Yeah, absolutely. So um, either you you uh, choose to omit um, either the dried chilies or the fresh chilies, just use one. Um, and then also de-seed whatever you're using. That will okay. definitely help. Good tip. Thanks. So what else have we got? Um, so dried chilies, then we've got uh, the ground spices. So we've got uh, the chili powders, uh, coriander, cumin, turmeric, um, and then we've also got in the traditional broth, the shrimp for the uh, traditional broth paste, we've got dried shrimp, which is Ooh, very pungent. Great, yes. So you've got to rehydrate those. Um, and it just gives a really strong depth of flavor as well as shrimp paste, which um, so you find a lot in uh, Indonesia, Malaysia, uh, Thailand. Also, Southeast Asians use it a lot. Can um, you get that, that in London many oh, places? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Uh, we tend to use the um, shrimp paste that comes in a block, uh, generally from Malaysia or Indonesia. Right. Um, but otherwise, you, as a substitute, you can use the Thai kapi, which comes in jars, which is more solid. We tend not to use the uh, Vietnamese sh uh, shrimp paste because that's a bit more runny uh, okay. and not quite as intense. And we, that doesn't give uh, the same flavor? No, it's, okay. it's, it's sort of... Um, Slightly weaker, and we like in some more intense yeah. umami. Nice punchy yeah, breath. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so that you know, we uh, blitz that all up, um, and then the next stage is actually the most critical. We you have to fry it off with a good amount of oil, um, just so that uh, the flavors all start to combine um, and amalgamate, become stronger. Um, and you should, if possible fry off that paste at least 24 hours before you want to actually make the broth so like any curry um the flavors really intensify the longer you give it okay oh, i'll bet that's an amazing smell and do you do that <laughs> yeah. in the morning in the uh, uh... yeah well generally sort of mondays um and fridays are our laksa prep days so oh. the pace so um yeah it's a very long day um because we prepare i know like 
at least 30 kilos every week. So Gosh, it's, it's wow. a, quite a long process. A lot of laxa. Yeah, a lot of laxa. Um, but, you know, that's the most important, that's the uh, cornerstone to... And- what I find that's amazing is with these pastes is, and you can really tell in the punchiness of them and the fragrance because there's so many ingredients. If you look at a recipe, it's often quite overwhelming if you're making your own paste. Like you need like three lemongrass stalks for <laughs> a tiny amount of paste, yeah. but it just shows that it really, really intensifies, doesn't it? Absolutely. And isn't it? It's because Malaysia is the melt, like a melting pot culture. You've got the um, sort of Malay people, the Indians, the Chinese, and we all sort of you know, took the best out of each other's uh, cuisines. And so the laksa is the prime example of that because you've got it's basically a, a noodle soup, Chinese, um, yeah. but using the indigenous Malaysian um, ingredients. Uh, the Indians like their spices, so it's just yeah, it's beautiful. And how do you get that classic fragrance? from the, the laksa? Do you use, use galangal, don't you? So, um, so galangal is used um, definitely more in the Assam laksa. Right. Um, so which are, we are starting to serve as well. Um, for our normal um, curry laksa, we just use ginger uh, and that's fine. Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, but if you want to use galangal for sure, uh, you can substitute it for ginger or vice versa. So what's the difference with the Assam laksa? Is it just that you use galangal or is there any other difference? Uh, for sure. So Assam laksa, which we're starting um, to roll out now as a special every Wednesday, um, it's, it comes from uh, Penang um, and it uses no coconut milk. So that's very different to ah, the normal, yes. uh, to our traditional um, signature laksa, the curry laksa. Um, so Assam laksa has a lot more tamarind sourness um, we use the tamarind That's why paste. I like it. Yeah, tamarind <laughs> uh, paste as well as the tamarind peels uh, with, to infuse more sourness as well as oh hot mint um, and the galangal in, in a very punchy, pungent mackerel stock. So, yeah, it's, it's quite strong. Mackerel? Mackerel, yeah. Ah. It has to be a, an oily fish um, to impart the, um, the, the proper, uh, yeah, umami. And um, it's a lot more because the. Um, the classic laxa is more creamy, isn't it? Obviously, yes. just the coconut milk. Yep. But um, when on those, is it what's it called? Laxa Mile in Penang, and they have it. You have it for breakfast, don't you? Yeah. It's, it's so fragrant. You can smell all these amazing, like toppings and like the laxa paste is coming off from like five, six in the morning, isn't it? It's amazing. Definitely. So in terms of um, making our traditional laksa, so we've we've done the paste. We did that yesterday. 24 hours has passed. We start to make that broth. So we'll heat up that paste again. Um, then we'll add um, sort of coconut milk as well as coconut cream to ah, thicken it slightly, okay. give it yeah. that um, richness. So um, la- curry laksa is also known as laksa lemak in Malaysia. Laksa lemak. Lemak. And lemak yeah. means um, rich or fatty. And that comes from uh, the coconut milk, typically. Right. Yep. And then we'll add um, sort of tamarind paste, sugar, uh, just to... So Malaysian food is all about balancing flavors. So spicy, sweet, sour, um, salty. Um, and so laksa is a good example of that. And then... When you, because I've, I've, as I said, I've had um, the laksa at your your place and it's fantastic. Um, and what I love about it is you just get this really big bowl of broth and then there's 
loads of different textures in there and you actually create that with different noodles as well don't you so you use two types of noodles we do is uh, there a reason yeah. why that's traditionally used or so at the restaurant um the we uh, as a default serve it with r- just rice noodles um thick rice noodles uh, but we do also offer the egg noodles um for the contrast in texture so the egg noodles are a bit more springy a bit more qq texture um and it yeah just Asians like different different things yeah. <laughs> in every mouthful. So with the, if you do come to the restaurant and ask for the two different types of noodles combined, then you'll get that experience. Great. Um, but it really is up to personal preference, you know. So some people just prefer rice noodles, thin or thick. Um, some people just prefer egg noodles by itself. Uh, you know, laksa does like hundreds if not thousands of different recipes and variations so it really is as you wish yeah i love those slippery rice noodles that because you but it's really it's quite hard to to actually drink the broth isn't it when you've got when you've got a spoon i always when i went to malaysia i found it amazing how people use their chopsticks and like people are trying to teach me but i'm not very good (laughs) (laughs) so where is this is a hard question where's your favorite laksa place in Malaysia? In Oh man, so that is um, almost impossible question to answer because like I said that you know everywhere in Malaysia serves excellent laksa on the whole um, but I would say um, my favourite place is in KL um, Kuala Lumpur, Kuala Lumpur. Yeah. Uh, and it is in uh, near Pataling Street which is uh, KL's Chinatown, it's called Madras Lane Curry Laksa, it's sort of hidden away um, but it, it is pretty phenomenal that laksa there and no to be fair there's also a phenomenal um laksa place in penang um serving uh white curry laksa and that's in um cecil street market uh so generally you'll find uh, the best laksas in hawker centers you know street food in is um that is malaysia um yeah so those two places cecil street market in penang and madras lane curry laksa in kuala lumpur right well i'll definitely go there if if i go back to malaysia which i definitely want to (laughs) um so yeah i loved when i traveled around malaysia i did love it because there's just so many different varieties and my actually my favorite controversially was the sarawak laksa okay um because I don't know if you've have you ever had it. I've not actually. No. So, um, I I really really want to try it. But a lot of my um, sort of customers uh, from Sarawak they do say that mine is similar in flavour profile because it's very very shrimpy. I understand Sarawak laksa uses very rich shrimp um, stock, ah, prawn stock. Okay. Mm. Yeah, because what I found that it was a lot lighter mm-hmm. and it's a lot more fragrant, isn't okay. it? They yep. use. Um, they don't use as much coconut milk, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe they don't use coconut milk at all. Um, but Sarawak, just for context, um, is actually, it's part of Malaysia, but it's actually on the island of Borneo, isn't it? So um, you can really see the geography and like how it's, you know, transformed from this traditional laksa and it, they've got their very own they're very in type and I actually had it um Guan Cha do you know Guan Cha oh yes Yes. yeah yeah um he recommended a really great place in Sarawak in in an old temple and it's this little hawker center an old temple it was fantastic so yeah if anybody's going to Malaysia and wants to find out um where to get the best Sarawak laksa then just let us know uh, at Olive Magazine um but in the meantime if you want to try it in London then obviously head along to Sambal Shock Laksa Bar so what's the address again just for people to it's 171 Holloway Road 
fab. Okay, so and also, yeah, go on the Wednesday as well to try the Assam laksa because that's a really different variety. Very, very isn't different. It? Um, and it's quite hard to find a good version in London. Um, and Not I anymore. think, uh, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ours is very good. So um, come check it out. Very fresh, um, aromatic, um, sort of perfect for cold weather. And if you feel like something lighter, Assam laksa is the one. Perfect. All right. Thanks so much. I'm definitely, definitely craving laxa now. So maybe I'll go and have some tonight. Excellent. See you <laughs> soon. You. Thanks, Alex. So that was the Olive Magazine podcast. If you like this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. We'd really love to hear from you. If you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode, you can visit our website, olivemagazine.com. You can pick up a copy of our brand new February issue on the newsstand now or download the app version. Bye for now and we'll be back next week with more food and drink chat.